Praise the Lord. Can somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise in the house this morning? Amen. So good to see you here in the house of the Lord. I'm excited about what God is going to do in our midst. I want to go ahead this morning, get announcements out the way so that we can get right in the worship. Do have a couple things I want us to pray about this morning before we open our service together as a congregation. We have several special needs in the church that I want us to to pray about today, which I'll mention in just a moment. Also, we have a ladies' painting party coming up next Sunday, immediately following the morning worship. The cost will be $30 per person. Melissa Riddle, raise your hand. She's right here. If you would like to be a part of that, see Melissa. You can sign up. It's $30, I believe, per person. And all fees will be paid by this coming Wednesday evening. And uh, you don't want to miss it. Also, church hoodies. Uh, There's some that are still over there on the side if you want to get one. See my little buddy Bryce right here on the front pew. And uh, he'll take care of you. But we've ordered some. Uh, some of you needed some different sizes. Those have been ordered. They're hopefully going to be printed this week. And uh, they'll be available for next Sunday. $20 a piece. I've already seen some of you in them. You're looking good, let me tell you. Y'all should be happy I said that. I'm not talking about everybody, just a few of you. No, I'm just... We got a couple things today that we want to pray about. Uh, we have Adley Jane Monroe. Adley Jane is going to be going for heart surgery tomorrow morning. And so we want to pray a special prayer that Jesus would touch her today. And as they do pre-op and things like this, preparing her for that surgery. She has a road ahead of her, but we know that God is going to give her strength, not only for her, but also for her parents, grandparents, those that are already down there that have traveled to be with them tomorrow. So let's be in prayer for this. Also for Bo Sexton's family, uh, Bo's mother passed away. Pat Sexton just laid her to rest Friday. Want to be in prayer for this family for continued blessings and comfort during their time of grief. Also for Ada Eads, she uh, did have to be in the hospital for several days, but we have reports that she is doing well and recovering at home now, so we give God glory for that. Continue prayers for strength for her. Could we stand today? We're going to go to God in prayer, and we're praying also for this service today that the Holy Spirit would fill the house, speak to our hearts, change us. Father, today we praise you for who you are. We thank you for what you are capable of doing. You're a mighty God. There is nobody that is like you. Heaven and earth would not even exist without this great El Elohim, this, this creator God that he speaks things into existence and it happens. He takes his hand and he whirls stars and they make up the sky and the moon and the sun. You are our God. You are our creator. You're mighty. You're able. You're capable. And so today in Jesus' name, we're asking you for these special requests for little Adley Jane. We are praying, God, that the one that formed her, even when she was in the womb, you already knew who she was. We speak, Lord, right now, peace over that family. We pray that you would comfort them, that you would touch them, that you would heal that little baby. You would help her, Lord, as she has to deal with this. In Jesus' name, we pray for the Sexton family and continued comfort as Sister Pat is in heaven today and she's rejoicing with her Lord. We praise you for that and thank you for that testimony. But we continue to pray for this family that you would give them that comfort, continued comfort that they need. For Miss Ada, Father, thank you for your dear servant that served you faithfully so many years. A young 93 years old, but Lord had to spend some time in the hospital. We thank you for helping her to recover. And she's at home healing, and we continue to speak blessings of recovery over her life as well. 
Father, today we give you this service. We ask you that you would touch every heart that is here. Open up our ears. Open up our hearts. That we would not only just hear this word, but that it would activate inside of us. That the ground that is fallow would be cultivated, would be broken up. So that we can prepare ourselves to sow this good seed this morning. That will be sowed, that it will spring up in our lives and be fruitful. For this we give you praise, honor, and glory in the name of Jesus. Pastor Brian, come on. Have you come to bless the Lord today? And have you come to bless the Lord today? Lord, we lift you up in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Let's bless him today, church. Oh Lord, we give you thanks. Let's sing him. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Give praise to the Lord. Beside him there's no other. Oh, sing it again. We give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. We give you praise, Lord. Give praise to the Lord. Beside him there's no other. This is the day. If this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. If this is the day the Lord has made, oh, I will rejoice and be glad in it. We brought from morning to dancing, from glory.
So there is a time of mourning, is what you're saying. It's not always, woo! There is a time of mourning in our lives. So there is a hope because it doesn't just say there's mourning and then there's mourning. There's mourning and then there's dancing. So don't stay in the mourning. You might be in mourning now, but there is a hope. God has promised us a time of dancing. So if you're in mourning, trust in that. Trust in God, His Word, and what He says. Turn down mourning to dancing. It's not morning to morning. It's morning to dancing. It's not nighttime to nighttime. It's nighttime to daytime. Now, Lord, we just lift you in this place right now, Lord. You see people in this house right now that are, seem to be in a time of mourning. They seem to be in a time of it's not right. It's not fair. It's, not, it's too difficult for me, oh God. But, oh God, right now we bless you and praise you. And we have a hope and a trust in you. In your word and your promises are forever and they are faithful. And we lift you and we magnify you. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise this morning, church. He is worthy. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Let's raise a hallelujah to the Lord today, church. Hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody.
the Lord. Thank you guys. Man, what a beautiful song this morning. Wow. Thank you so much. I want to introduce to you a guy that's going to be speaking for us this morning. Pastor Jimmy is taking a break today. Y'all ever take days off work? Today's my day to relax and chill and enjoy the word of the Lord today. My dear friend, mentor, has been a spiritual father to me in a sense. Uh, Larry Anderson, ever since we've come here, actually is when we actually met through the Gap Hill Church. And um, through a lady none of you know, her name's Ruby Knight, never heard of her before, but through, through uh, that's her son-in-law. And so through her and through the church, we're able to meet uh, Pastor Larry, who's been a blessing to my life and my ministry. Um, I was reading the other day where it said that, you know, pastors, um, some say they're part-time, and I was reading a thing the other day. I was, I think Pastor Larry, I call him Pastor Pastor for many years in the lead pastor role, but I think he's dabbling in senior pastor uh, adult work now. I don't know. I was reading just the other day, and it said something along the lines. said, are you a part-time pastor or a full-time pastor? To which the guy responded, I didn't know there was a part-time pastor position available. <laughs> so, pastor Larry, would you come on? Let's make Larry welcome. All of you know him today. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jimmy. It certainly is an honor and a privilege to be able to share the Word of God today. Wow, good-looking congregation. We come from time to time and see the church, and I see new people. It's doing good. God bless you. And I know that uh, relinquishing the pulpit on a Sunday morning is a difficult thing for any pastor to do. Uh, my brother-in-law, overseers here, sometimes we pass it on to them and let them cheer the people up. But uh, I'm, I'm honored for the privilege and the respect you show me to be able to share. I, uh, I, I labored over this because uh, I, I want to share a message. In fact, we were singing that song, Oh God, Oh God, I Need You Now. I was thinking, God, I need you now in this message because I'm preaching a, a message I've never preached before. And if putting time into it and prayer into it, you're in for a treat, if that works. But we'll see what God does with it because I was up about all night working on this. I had another plan. I, I had some messages that I have preached and had brought and some new inspirations with some outlines and overheads and things ready. And this Brother che, uh, Chevy, I know, was back there. I sort of dropped a new one on him this morning. It dropped on me. So you're going to get a new message that, that, that's going to come from my heart and spirit today. But um, I... I, I it's difficult sometimes. In fact, I read somewhere that D.L. Moody said you couldn't preach a message effectively until you've preached it the hundredth time. And uh, I've never got close to that yet, but I think two or three helps uh, sometimes. But anyway, I'm going to share something today that I believe will help you. I haven't come to, to uh, 
challenge you or, or to, or to uh, chastise you to, in some kind of spiritual way. That's your, that's your pastor's job. Not that he would do that to hurt you, but to help you. But, but, but I've come to try to encourage you and to help you see a little new direction from Scripture in a message that we all should be very familiar with. The message title, Leading Others to Christ. Now, now, if I had a, a time, I would go around and ask you to share with me some experiences, maybe, of where you have helped lead someone to Christ. Just work in your mind for a moment. But can you think of situations where you have been instrumental in leading someone to Christ? Now, let me clarify something. Sometimes we as pastors take the credit, put it on a report, but all we did was preach the gospel, but someone out there did the work. Someone out there did the ministry on the job or at school or wherever you were, and your ministry in some other place led someone here or to a church somewhere to hear the gospel, and they were saved. So, so you can't really you know, say just because if I preach this morning and someone gets saved, it has very little to do with me. It has something to do with some of you and the message that you share in your life day by day. And so, so if I were to ask that question for you, how could you respond to that? How, how have you been instrumental in leading someone else to Christ? If you cannot say you have done that, I'm really speaking to you today. If you can say, yeah, I've led someone to Christ, well, good, you've learned how to do it. I'm speaking to you today. And I'm speaking to all of us, we need to learn how to lead others to Christ. Can you say amen? amen? Now turn to your neighbor and say, if you'll help him preach this morning, I will, and he'll get done quicker, and we'll be able to get out of here, because it's true. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. Now I, I had various inspirations from this, for this message, and I'll share them as I go along, but one of them came from the Bible study Wednesday night. And when you were, you were in finished 1 Corinthians a week or so ago and then 2 Corinthians this week, and I went home and said, I need to read Corinthians again. So I began reading the first, uh, first book of Corinthians and the second book of Corinthians, and these things jumped out at me for a message today. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Said, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who were under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who were under the law. To those who are without the law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means win some. Would you read that with me or look on the board, read that with me aloud. I, I, who? Say it. I can't hear you. I, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means win some, save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would touch my mind and my heart, that I can release today that which you have empowered in my mind and my spirit. Let me say something that will 
Speak to someone in a way to accomplish that that you wish for us to accomplish. Help us that we will learn the importance of leading others to Christ and that it is our responsibility as a church and as individuals and as believers in Christ to lead others to him. And that you do, we give you praise and glory for we ask it in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. What is the greatest responsibility you have as a Christian? Now, it's, it's the first of the year, it's January, and over the past few weeks, I had a birthday this month, and January is always a good month or a bad month. Now it's good. Used to be bad, but now it's good. Yeah, every year is important. But we had a little birthday celebration, Sharon did for me, and our family came over a few days ago, a couple weeks ago. And, and my sons work in, in the auto industry, and they work in, in management, and somehow they got off on the discussion that it's review time, that it's time for them to review their employees. They have some employees that work for them, and it's time for them to write their annual review. And based on that annual review determines if which one of these employees is going to go if things fall short and which one's going to get a raise. And you, you, you know the story. So today's review time. You know, we have a job to do. And, and we, we, we have uh, necessary things to do for the cause of Christ. Now, and, and as a pastor and pastoring a, a, a pretty large church with a lot of staff and a lot of uh, individuals working with me and, uh, and, and under me as pastor, every time I hired someone, one of the first things they wanted to know, what's my job description? What, what, what have I got to do? What, what are you expecting me to accomplish? And, and I went to, you know, I would usually go, had my own ideas and I would go to some book or some direction and find what the job description is for an for a assistant pastor, for a youth pastor, for a music pastor, for a children's pastor. And I would write that out and make my own variation of that and create a job description for them to follow. Now that helped me and it hurt me. It helped me to get them hired sometime, but later on down the road I've had some to say, that's not in my job description. You ever heard that? You probably have. Well, but when it comes to serving the Lord and it comes to being a child of God, we have a job description. We have a description that's given to us, whether you are the pastor, whether you're the music pastor, whether you're the Sunday school teacher, whether you are, uh, call yourself just an attender or whatever, or a newcomer, a woman that's been here forever to the church, we have a job description that we have to follow. And, and I believe it's in, found here in this particular text I read that it can be encapsulate what's all in Scripture when Paul said, but, but be followers of me as I am followers of Christ. He said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, just a little bit past this. The description includes, first of all, that we should be followers of Christ. Our job description, number one, as Christians, we should be followers of Christ. What does Christianity mean? Christ-like. So we're to be followers of Christ. That's the number one thing you've got to do. But I think secondly, and tied in close to it is, we are to lead others to the Christ that we serve. Now, I, I, I think that we can deal rather specifically with following Christ ourselves, and we work on that, we read about that, we hear messages on that, and we sing songs about that, and we do everything we can, but do we really take the time to complete our job description and do that second part, which is leading others to Christ? 
but and I really believe, and I'll say it now, is it's very hard to have the number one accomplish in your life and not have number two follow if you are following the plan of God with your life. We need to learn how to lead others to Christ. Now, I'm not going to teach you today the ABCs of soul women, all of sin and come ashore the glory of God, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I mean, I, I know that process, and you've heard it preached, and you can find that. But I'm going to go a little deeper. I, I'm going to give you some biblical applications, three in fact, there are many, but I'm going to give you three biblical applications that will give you authority and will give you opportunity and give you acceptance from those you are working with and trying to reach as you accomplish this job description God has given you. Now, you may want to write these down, these three of them. And the first one doesn't seem like it fits, but the first application I want to talk about is fear. Fear. Now, fear, I believe, is, is taken in a, in a lot of different ways. Fear, fear is a powerful tool. It's used by most people in a negative way. They try to get someone to do something out of fear. I've heard people on their job, their boss would say it's in your job description and if you don't do it, you're fired. That's pretty good fear. <laughs> and there are situations in life like that. And we're not told that directly from scripture as it relates to our job description of leading others to Christ, but it is implied that we have that responsibility on a continual basis that we should lead others to Christ and fear sometimes can direct that. Now I'm not talking about fear that God is going to zap us or God is going to fry us in some fashion. I'm talking about a, a holy fear. A, a river, an awe. Fear is one of those words that can have you know, different kinds of meanings. And I believe from fear, when you talk about fear of God, I can talk about reverence. I can talk about respect. I can talk about obedience. I can talk about being responsible. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 10, and do not fear those who kill the body or, or can, and cannot, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He was speaking of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's where our fear should be in respect and honor of him. Fear of God can do great things. David feared the Lord. And look what happened in David's life. The children of Israel feared the Lord. And, and, and they, I know they wandered from time to time, but when they were in great fear and respect of God, God did great things of victory in, in, in that nation. Mary's song in Luke chapter 1 says, And the mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. That includes us. Paul preached to Antioch in Acts 13. Then Paul stood up and motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel, you who fear God, listen. So today we need to have a fear of God who is omnipotent and powerful and the creator of all things and can do all things and is over the control of all things and control of our life, the God who has saved us, the God who can keep us, the God who is with us. We need to have a respectful, loving fear of God that will help us lead others to Christ. Now, when I was a child, I really understood fear. Now, over the years, Ministry has changed a bit. The, the application of ministry has changed, but the, but the gospel has not changed. But I remember as a child, Brother Billy and I were talking about this earlier, up at Bethany Church earlier in my life, 
I remember as a child, I'd go home on Sunday scared to death. I'd go home shaking with fear because of what the preacher had preached. He'd preach hail, fire, and brimstone, and buddy, I didn't want to go there. He'd preach about the coming of the Lord. It seemed like they preached every other week about the coming of the Lord. You better be ready. He can come as a thief in the night. He can get you, you know, while you're asleep. You better make sure you're ready before you go to sleep. And man, before I'd go to sleep, I would confess everything I'd done. Every time I hit my brother, every time I, you know, whatever I'd done, I, you, you've been there. You know, that, that fear. Some of you have been there. And the guy, I remember came home from church one, one Sunday night. I, I don't remember what the preacher preached, but I remember I was scared. And we lived in a little house there and up, up in Pickens. And, and, and uh, our house at that point was not underpinned. You know, you know what I'm saying. Years ago, I'm not that old, but I am that old. And we came home from church and about midnight or so, that was the awfulest commotion you've ever heard in your life. A bear was chasing our dog and was up under the house. And I was sure the rapture was taking place. I was just sure that the Lord had come and maybe I was about to get missed because the preacher said in a moment and the twinkling of an eye and I twinkled my eyes several times and that, that bear was still running under the house. Now, now fear, fear of God in some kind of fashion is, it, it, it can be good and bad, but, but we need to have that kind of fear of God. That kind of holy respect and, and, and obedience that says you could come tonight and he could. You could come before we wake up in the morning, and he could. And, and live a life and exemplify that life that demonstrates a holy fear. In years gone by, many of us, maybe sitting here, came to know the Lord through really a message of fear. But today, fear and respect of God has almost vanished. God is preached and taught as the God of love, the God of mercy, and he is. But God is not preached as the judge, as the separator of the wheat from the tares, the one who separates the sheep from the goats and the casting of the unprofitable service, servant and everlasting fire and darkness. And that's ever, very seldom ever preached in We're afraid we'll offend someone. Good preaching, preacher. Thank you for those amens. But sometimes we as pastors, well, I don't want to offend them. I want to win them to God through love. I think you can do both. I, I love you. That's why I tell you, you better get ready. I love you. That's why I say the Lord is coming. I, I love you. That's why I say if you're not serving God, you, you're not going to make it to heaven. There's a place called hell that's with fire and brimstone. And we need to recognize there's a the process. We as, as believers, we as followers of Christ, we that are trying to win those to Christ, must also recognize there is a fear and a respect for the divine authority of God and God's plan on our life and on our church and on our families. We need to fear him. Now that's sort of in a lull now, but according to scripture in the book of Revelation, that's going to change. Revelation 11, when the two witnesses are brought back to life after three and a half de days of being dead, the scripture says fear will come upon the earth. Later on in that chapter of 11 of Revelation, it said the 24 elders are around the throne of God and they declare that rewards are going to be given to the prophets and the saints and those who have feared the Lord. We need to fear the Lord. Teaching others to fear God, lets God lead them to himself. And it leads people to Christ. It, it brings people to him when we understand fear. I'm not saying frighten people, but how do we do that? 
We do that by living our life as if we fear him. Living a daily life as if we believe that we serve a God who can do anything. Living our life in fear and respect of him who we know created the heavens and the earth and holds the earth in the palm of his hand and holds my life in the balances of his hand. Fear him and love him who is able to bring life and bring death. Fear him and love him who sent his son into the world to save us from our sins. Fear him and love him and let it flow in our life that others may know we believe in the resurrected Christ. There needs to be a revitalization of a fear and respect and honor of God if we're going to lead others to Christ. It's sad, but in our world today, everybody goes to heaven. I don't care if they're whatever. I don't want to go into all of that. That's another message. I'll need about three Sundays to do this, brother, but I'm going to play Florida and golf, uh, golf in Florida the next couple of weeks, and you got it by yourself. But, but you know, the process of, of passing off fear and respect and honor of God has weakened the gospel and has weakened our ability to lead others to Christ. Our world, our communities, our government, our society needs to learn a respect of the divinity of God and who God is and the power that he possesses. Can you say amen? I've got to hurry. Secondly, second application is favor. I like this one. Finding favor is all through scripture. In Exodus chapter three, the children of Israel found favor with the Egyptians and they received their gold and silver and they took it into the wilderness with them and, and you know what happened with that. Gideon in Judges six received favor from God and the fleece that God honored on couple of different occasions. Ruth found favor with God and married Boaz. Hannah found favor with God and her, her son Samuel was born. Esther found favor with God and was married to the king. Job found favor with God. I could give you the scriptures, but all of these are taken from scripture. Daniel found favor with the Babylonian leaders and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They found favor with the Babylonian leaders and, and God honored that, that, that favor with them and helped them to rise to power and bring it about the presence of God. How did the early church receive its favor? I believe one of the greatest scriptures that we have for the church today is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Talking about the early church and how it began and what's breaking bread from house to house and all the things that was doing. But the last verse of chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came in the first part of, of Acts chapter 2 and the church was birthed, the last verse says this, that they were praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, I can interpret that. They had favor and because of favor, they were leading people to Christ. Because of the favor of God on their life, the church was growing. People were being saved. They were leading them to Christ. Now, how did they do that? They did that through fellowship. They broke bread from house to house. They did that through passion and faith. There were signs and wonders that followed them. They did that through generosity. 
They, they sold their possessions and they gave to everyone that had needs and that generosity brought them favor. That they were faithful. The verse right before verse 47, verse 46 says that they continued daily, steadfast in the gospel and the, and the doctrine of the apostles. If we follow the example of the early church and we exemplify those things in our life as a church, if we are full of fellowship and we're full of passion and we're full of generosity and we're faithful, it will bring the favor of God upon us that will touch those that we come in contact with. How in the world do we face the same enemy, the same obstacles, the same situations that people that we work with and our neighbor who lives beside us does and they feel like they're going under and feel like they're failing and feel like they're in despair and we got a smile on our face because, because something is happening in our life. We don't understand how, but our bills are being paid and our, our food, our belly is getting full and our, our, there's no rain on our head and things are going great. How does that happen? It happens because of the favor of God in your life because you've been faithful to him. I just want to tell you, you as a child of God have God's favor on your life today. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have favor. Now, what does that do? That favor gives you the opportunity to lead others to Christ because when you're in a situation in the break room at work, and someone is talking about how sad and bad and awful things are in life, that's the opportunity for your favor to come out and for you begin to say, well, I can tell you about someone who can fix that. I can tell you about someone who can carry that load for you. Well, when someone is talking about death in their family or sorrow or heartache and they're, just, they're in despair, that's when the favor of God shows up and say, I can tell you of one who holds the world in his hand, the one who can bring peace to your heart and can bring help to your soul and can bring joy in your life. We have the favor of God in our life. Thank God for favor. I, I don't know. I blamed it on my hair. I think I preached about this one time before, but I, I, so many times I've been somewhere visiting a hospital or doing something and, and I've had people say, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I say, well, how do you know? And they say, well, you got preacher hair. What in the world is preacher hair? I don't think it was the hair. They had nothing to do with the hair. Everybody gets gray-headed. Well, most of us, some of you don't. Especially some of you black folks, you never get gray-headed. You stay black-headed all the time. But, 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 but reality, you know what it is? It's the favor of God on your life. I remember when I was pastoring in Pontiac years ago, I, I was going through a difficult time. I, I cannot tell you at this point what the, the situations were, but I remember they were dire. They, they, were, they were just just unbelievably heavy upon my heart as a pastor. I'm sure it was some member having difficulty when members hurt, we as pastors hurt. And, and so I was hurting. And I remember going to the hospital to visit and, and I just needed some kind of confirmation. I just didn't feel like I was, I was worthy. I felt like I was the least that was, had the opportunity to be there, to visit and to share and, and to try to encourage someone. And, and I, I parked my car and I opened the door. When I got out and stood to lock my car, the window on the car beside me rolled down and this lady looked over and she said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, well, I think so. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I said, well, you know, I sort of 
shut myself a little bit. I prayed with her. She was going through a difficult time. And I prayed with her, and I'm walking up to the hospital to go to the steps, and, and, and I, I was feeling a little better. And there was another gentleman came out that came out of the hospital door, and he, he came out of the door. And when I met him, I said, "How you doing, sir? I'm always friendly." And he stopped and turned around. He said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" He said, "He said you're a child of God, aren't you?" I said, "Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm feeling a little better now." He said, yeah. he said, and he began to tell me what was going on in his life, and I I began to share with him. You know what God could do and could change his life. I get that. I go to the desk to get the room number of the person I'm visiting. The lady sitting behind the desk, she said, you're, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And it led to a discussion with her. And, and this, honest, before, I never had that just happened in all my ministry, but I never was low at that point either. When I got up to the room, the nurse stopped me in the hallway, the same scenario. I was in visiting this patient. The doctor came in and the doctor said, but mentioned the fact of, of being a Christian. Let me tell you what that is. That's not to do with my hair. It has nothing to do with what I look like because I don't look good at all in those situations. But let me tell you what it was. It was the favor of Almighty God that rests upon us when we are in His keeping and His care. No matter how low we may seem like we're going, no matter how far it seems like we're away from God's presence, He is always there. And if you'll remain faithful to Him, His favor and His blessing will come. We are highly favored by the presence and the power of God and that gives us the opportunity to lead others to Christ through favor. The early church, as it was developed, it was in a chaotic time. That there was there was chaos spiritually. There was a battle going on between the the the, the priest and the Sanhedrin and, and, and their belief and between those who fought after Christ and they were at war with each other. That's why they, they'd killed Jesus. There was war going on. There was chaos going on in the nation. The, the, the Roman government was at chaos with the Jewish, Jewish people and, and what they were doing and who was in power and who was in control. Was it the, was it the emperor of Rome or was it the, the Sanhedrin leader? There was chaos going on. And in the middle of that chaos... The Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2 and the church is born and thousands come to know Christ. And it's just read here in the 47th verse and favor rested upon them and the church grew daily as those were being saved. Let me tell you, we live in a time of chaos. We live in a time of despair. We live in a time of hopelessness, but we still have the favor of God. And no matter what we're doing, it's the best time for the favor of God to shine and to lead someone to Christ in the middle of chaos. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You got to hurry. Which brings me to the last one. Fragrance. Now this comes from Wednesday night. This is probably what kicked this whole thing in. I was reading in 2 Corinthians and I got to the verse I'm going to share in a moment about fragrance. And I never thought about we as Christians having a fragrance. Smell your neighbor and see what a Christian smells like. <laughs> now, now, I have been wearing the same cologne for over 50 years. There's people that identify me when I go to church when I walk in by my smell. I can't smell a thing. I've wore Paul Sebastian from the time it was expensive, you had to go to Belts or some other expensive store and buy it. 
I think Sharon got it for me for Christmas 50 years or so ago. And I got so many compliments, I just kept wearing it. Now my clothes smell like Paul Sebastian. My underwear smells like Paul Sebastian. I just smell like Paul Sebastian. I've had people buy Paul Sebastian so they could smell like me. But as you know, cologne and perfume is individual. One person can wear it and smell one way, and another person can wear it and smell another way. Now, we're here today to celebrate my mother-in-law Ruby's 90th birthday. Isn't that great? Ruby, I promise you, I promise you if you live to 100, we'll all come back and celebrate again if we're alive. We'll come back and celebrate. You'll probably outlive all of us. And I say this in love, but Ruby likes her perfume. I mean, you can walk into the house, walk in the back door, and whoo! But the problem is, it's one thing this time and something else the next time. It's never the same. I, I don't, I, I can't understand that because I'm, I'm just, I'm a Paul Sebastian guy and I just <laughs> stay with it. But according to what the scripture I'm going to read to you and according to scripture, we as believers can have a fragrance and an aroma. It's all through scripture. I ain't got time to do it all. Uh, in the Song of Solomon, Solomon spoke of the fragrance of his beloved. Hosea spoke of the fragrance of the cedar trees. Mary in John chapter 12 spilled the fragrant spinknered oil on the feet of Jesus. And, and the Bible says the room was filled with that fragrance and she dried his feet with her hair. It was as a fragrance. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at these verses. It'll be on the screen. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ and, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, we are the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but, uh, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Now, Paul is referring here to a, a particular um, course of action that was known by all of those in Corinth and all of those in the Roman Empire. The triumphal Roman military leader would hold a parade after a triumph and a victory on a foreign battlefield and that, that military leader would, would lead his army back into Rome, back into the, the, the leadership of the Roman Empire and he would display himself in a chariot with white horses and demonstrative appeal and behind him was his army who had helped him win the battle and then right behind them was the spoils of that battle which most of the time included people that they captured during that skirmish, during that battle. And they, as they came, they would burn incense and they would, they would put uh, 
flower petals on the, on the ground and as they walked, their, their feet and all the, the, the infantry and everybody walking would crush those petals and the aroma and the fragrance of those petals would, would go out to the people that were there and everybody come to see this parade. Everybody came out to see what the commander had won and the victors and, and then sometimes there was the aroma of the people that they had captured. Now, I didn't understand that until a few years ago. Sharon and I were trying to furnish one of the bedrooms for our children back when money was scarce and hard to come by. And we found in, I think it was the paper, an advertisement for a bunk bed. We went and bought this bunk bed, mattresses and all, set it up in our house, and that house probably smells like curry till today. Curry, curry, how you gonna pronounce it? It was an Indian family, no, no offense to that. It was an Indian family who loved their spices and it smelled like that. And so I can relate to the people of, of Jerusalem or, or the people of, of, of the Roman Empire gathered around and, and the, the commanders bringing in this army there's not a lot of fragrances, you know, 2,000 years ago. So I'm sure they could smell sometimes even those that were coming in, the fragrances and the incense of the things of the people that were there. But now Paul takes this scenario and moves it into the process of leading others to Christ. And he says, but we are the aroma. Said Christ is the commander. God is the emperor. We are the servants of Christ that have been captured or surrendered to the cause of Christ. And as we go into a place, everybody should come, will come out to see what's happening when God, through Christ, brings in the captors who have this aroma on them to see what's taking place. So Paul said, it doesn't matter where you go, doesn't matter what city, it's not just before the emperor. Whatever city you go in, you are going to parade before God in sincerity. You're going to be led by the commander, Jesus Christ, who has captured you and redeemed you and saved you by his own blood and brought you into the family. And by doing so, there is an aroma of the presence of God that's going out from you because you smell like Jesus. I started to entitle the message, Smell Like Jesus, but I didn't want to give it away to the end. But that same application goes for Pickens County. It goes for Duke Power. It goes for Michelin Tire. It goes for the school systems. It goes for wherever you are. When you walk in, you are a servant of God who is the emperor. You're led by the commander, Jesus Christ, who is in control. And you are a servant to him. You are, he is your master. You're going to do whatever he says and directs. But with you, there is an aroma of something that's going to bring life and death, or life or death, to those around you. 
But Paul is ultimately saying it's really a, an aroma of life because there is a sense when we come to town and we tell people there is a Redeemer, there is a Jesus Christ who can save you from your sins, we're telling them they can be transformed. We're telling them they can lay down their Jewish traditions. They can take up the cross and follow Christ and know that we are servants. And there is an aroma about that that draws people unto God who are, who are searching for answers and it's found because of the aroma of God on our lives because we are His and He is ours and He is our commander. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. So what do you smell like today? Turn to your neighbor and say, you smell pretty good. Don't lie. As servants of Christ, we give an aroma that encourages those who are living in Christ to go on. When you get around someone at work, can you remember the time when you went to work or took a new job and, 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 and somebody identified themselves as a Christian? And you, they recognized you and you recognized them and what kind of bond developed because of that aroma that drew you together? Do you remember the time when you seen someone in difficulty or whatever and something bonded you together? You know what? It's the aroma. It, it is the, the presence, that awesome presence of a holy, omnipotent God that rests upon those who have that aroma of Christ, who recognize God is supreme and Christ is my redeemer and they're following him and it gives off an aroma that the world recognizes. And Paul said to the world, to those who know Christ, it's making them, their life become strong. And those that don't know Christ, those who are perishing, it makes them realize we need some of that aroma on our life. It makes those who are, who are living in sin to recognize I wanna be like them. If you're pardoned the pun, I wanna smell like them. I, I want to be in the same classification because I want the aroma of the Spirit of God flowing on my life. Oh, hallelujah. No wonder Paul said there's a fragrance that comes in our life. And it comes because we follow the example that Paul has given us here as we are leading others to Christ. And Paul said, I become all things to all men that text I read, he basically said, I've done everything necessary except sinning against the plan of God to win everyone I can. But let me tell you, you have everything it takes to win someone to Christ. If you're a child of God and you have a fear of his omnipotence and his power, you're, you're on track. If you're a child of God, there is favor upon you that as you begin to open your mouth, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak. There's favor upon you that will draw people to you like rotten meat draws flies. I know that sounds like a bad thing, but something about a child of God, when someone is hurting, you know who they go to? They go to someone that can pray, someone that can live with them, someone that can help them. And you have, you have an aroma in your life as a child of God that draws others to you. Amen. Now I can't tell you what a Christian smells like. But I can tell you what the Spirit of God does. And I can tell you what it feels like and I can almost sense through my senses the presence of the Holy Spirit. Can you? That's what I'm talking about. We can lead others to Christ. 
in closing, come on, Brother Brian, help me, help me shut up. In, in closing, it's, it's, it's time for a job review. It's time to set you down and see what you've accomplished. Now, if I'm not going to do that, but just suppose you had to face the Lord tomorrow. Not picking on you. You just happen to be close. I, I know you're ready. But just suppose you had to meet the Lord. How's He going to fill out your job review? Have you, number one, have you been faithful to the cause of Christ? Have you applied Christ to your life? And number two, are you leading others to Christ? If you can't say that that review would be a good one, it's time to do a little check-in today. It's time to say, God, I want you to help me that I can have a greater fear of your presence and power and a fear and respect and honor of who you are. And God, I, I, I want that favor on my life. I want to be able to be there when there's a need. I want the favor of God to rest upon me that I can be that, that light in darkness. And then thirdly, to say I, I need the fragrance of God upon my life. You smell my Paul Sebastian? I put it on heavy this morning. <laughs> I started to bring some and just spray it in the air. God, it won't destroy your church, Brother Jimmy. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but when you're a child of God, Amen. and you walk by someone who's hurting and distressed, they say, mm. I smell something. I feel something. I, I sense something different. It is the fragrance <laughs> of the Spirit of God that rests upon every child of God. You have that fragrance. If you don't know him today, today is your time to say, Lord, come into my life. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to lead others to Christ. And when you do that, you'll also hear what Paul said later, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many because we have led others to Christ. I want you to stand with me. I, as I was pondering, I went to bed early this morning, woke up with this little song on my mind because of the first line in the song that sort of ties into this third point of my message. But it also talks about winning souls to Christ. Sing it, Brother Brian. Hallelujah. Lily of the valley, let your sweet aroma fill my oh, Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Rose of Sharon, show me. Yes. How to grow in beauty in God's Yes. Oh, fairest of 10,000, make me a reflection of your eyes. Oh, 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 oh. 
souls to Christ I have not been that even though I've been a pastor for and ministry full time involved for about 50 years I never was a part time situation but the pastor I've never led enough souls to Christ one some but not enough I, I'm preaching to myself I need to have more fear of God I need to have, understand I've got the favor of God I need to recognize the fragrance of his spirit that is on my life as the child of God. I want to win others. You say, well, pastor, how do I do that? How, how do I make that happen? Well, I just left Michigan where it was 15 degrees below zero and we had four snows of four or more inches in a week. And I went out and plowed my driveway. Something said plow the neighbor's driveway. I got that neighbor's driveway plowed and something said plow the other neighbor's driveway. And I went and plowed the other neighbor's driveway. It was really fun. I love being in the snow. But a little later on, they both came back and I could sense them sort of sniffing. Figuratively. There was something going on in the air because they know what I stand for. They know who, who I serve. They know I'm in church every Sunday. They're not Christians. And they, they see that blue being worked on them for years to try to lead them to Christ. But you know what I was doing? I was letting the favor of God work through that four-wheeler when I was pushing that snow. I was letting the fragrance of the Holy Spirit bring conviction upon their life to recognize and know that those who love God have fellowship with Him and God can work things in their life. So I want him to sing this again. And as he sings it, this is for every one of you. You can come to an altar if you want. You can stay where you are. You can kneel on the pew where you are. You can raise your hands where you are and say, God, I want you to help me to become a witness for you that I can witness through fear and through favor and through, and through fragrance to win others to Christ. Can you do that? Sing it, brother. Sing it. Hallelujah. Lily of the valley. Lily of the valley. Let your sweet aroma fill oh, my life. Father, I want to be a great witness and show me how to grow oh, with beauty in your sight. Yes. Give it to him. Oh, fair, fair such in 
thousand 